There was this guy in my small, so we used to go on a winter trip and we stayed in this like cabin and there was this one guy in our, and we stayed with our like small groups and this one guy in my small group, he was always like bigger than me even and he was always known, like he always had like a satchel full of like snacks with him at every Bible study. satchel. Yeah. And it would be, you know, whether it's chips or candy or whatever, he always had something. So one night we're up in this cabin and we're all sleeping all of us wake up except for him because we hear a loud rustling noise he was sleep eating so he was laying down on the bottom bunk he was he was laying on his back and he was reaching his arm down into his satchel into his bag of chips and he was just like like as he's sleeping and because our first reaction when we heard the wrestling was like, is there like a raccoon in here or something? Yeah. And we were like, oh, it's just William sleep eating. So then in the morning we wake up and William gets up and he's like, who ate all my chips overnight? <laughs> he was so pissed. <laughs> we had to convince him like, dude, you did. while you were sleeping. Yeah. There's no way I would believe that. If I, I, I know. You did it while you were sleeping. Okay. <laughs> Prove it. <laughs> no pi- Pixar didn't happen. Yeah. That's funny. Well, I'm going to go ahead and jump in here and just say yep. that the Cubs finally did something. Go Cubs, go! Go Cubs, go! Well, first I should tell you all that this is Frustration Nation. We are the FM podcast for FM fans of Evan Sports teams. Every episode, we explore the heartbreak, horror, and humiliation of what it means to be a diehard fan. I'm Furious George. That's Michigan Hat. Back to my story. So the Cubs, they... I, if you listen to our last episode, I was ranting about not taking action and not making a move. Yep. At the time, Carlos Correa and Dansby Swanson were still available, but Xander Bogarts and Trey Turner were off the table. I never expected them to get Trey Turner, but Xander Bogarts was one I was interested in. And there was a lot of suggestion at the time that they were going to probably end up with the Ansby Swanson, and I was just kind of like, you're ending up with the worst of the four shortstops, and it's all because you're too chicken to pay. And what's going to happen is because you have these monster contracts handed out to the other shortstops, now you're going to be forced to overpay for the worst of the four shortstops. You know, yep. like I, there's a part of me that was just like, if you're going to get one of these premier shortstops, please just pony up the dollars and get the best one available. Don't like settle for one. And so all that to say, the Cubs did end up with Danzy Swanson, which, yes, I believe pretty much everyone would agree is the worst of the four shortstops available. And I was not happy at first that they settled for that. However, I was actually quite, even though I've been shaming the Cubs for not spending money, I was actually quite impressed by the deal they were able to score with him. So the Dansby Swanson deal is seven years on $177 million, which might sound like a lot, but by comparison, Carlos Correa, 300, didn't he? Carlos Correa got 13 years and like 300-some million. So you basically took exactly half of that deal, both in commitment and dollars. And then how old is uh, how old is he? Swanson. Yeah, 
He's going to be 29 to start the season. So that's actually a big deal. <laughs> you're not paying him till he's 40. Exactly. Yeah. So like Correa, Correa is 28 to start the season. So his deal with the Giants will expire when he is 41. Yeah. And you know that even though he's 28 now, you know that at best you're going to have four or five years with him performing at a top level. I mean, look at Miguel Cabrera these past few years. Like that's how all these contracts right. play out. As opposed to Dansby Swanson, now yep. 29, seven years. You're only paying him until he's 36. And frankly, you know, if he can play well, if he plays well all seven years, then he just sets himself up for another big contract to get, like, at, at 36 from a team. But anyway, yep. uh, so I was very – I was frustrated that they kind of – I'm still not happy with the approach because the approach felt very – it didn't feel very much like they were attacking. It felt well, very it much. It doesn't seem decisive. It seems more reactionary. Um, well, yeah, there's a lot are. of reports going back to last season where the Cubs were hinted at being interested in Swanson. So I, after I saw those, I wasn't like all that surprised they went for him. It seems like they always kind of wanted him. But I still have issue with the idea that why were you waiting to sign him? Because all you did was you drove his price up. Guess what? You probably could have gotten Swanson for like six years, $120 million, $130 million if you would have been signed him first, you know? But you waited until all of the other shortstops signed like record deals. And miraculously, you didn't have to pony up that kind of money to sign him. Like, like that. So I still have issue with the process. Like, and now everyone's like, okay, well, now that they got Dansby Swanson, now you can attract attract big free agents. And people were like, like J.D. Martinez and Justin Turner and Michael Conforto. Well, almost immediately as that was said, J.D. Martinez signs with the Dodgers. And then, like, Justin Turner, is he really that good anymore? Probably not. Is he an upgrade at third? Maybe. Uh, Michael Conforto would be great for the outfield, but there's been, like, no smoke whatsoever about him. Just Cubs fans saying, oh, we should get him. And it, to me, it's kind of embarrassing when you're the Cubs, you're supposed to be the big spenders, you're su- you've said you're going to be spending, that you're going to be competitive next year, and yet it's the White Sox that are the ones going out and getting Andrew Benintendi for their outfield. Mm-hmm. Like, I know you got Swanson, and yeah, there's two great free agents in Chicago that can be celebrated or whatever. I just am... I still hold some issue with it, and they still need a lot of help with pitching. They don't really have a signature ace on the team, and um, they've also been tied to, like, Trey Mancini um, is another name, which I'm like, cool. Yeah. It doesn't do ton for me. It, it's you like need to string several moves nice. together like that. Right. If, if that's going to make a difference, yeah. 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 Yep. It, it's kind of like um, – uh, oh, who was it? Um. I don't know. I I don't know. That's that's not a good example. Well, it's but like the Tigers last year, we got Javi Baez, and I was instead of Correa. I was like, "All right, that's fine. What else are you going to do?" Yeah, it feels like a consolation the, prize. The other right? shoe never dropped. It's like, oh, that was the move. All right, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. Um, well, and part of the issue again with the Cubs that I have is like they've been tied to Tucker Barnhart. Well, why the frick? Should we be tied to Tucker Barnhart? You should have just re-signed 
Wilson Contreras. Mm. Because guess what? Now Wilson Contreras plays for the Cardinals. And, oh, by the way, his brother, William Contreras, through a trade, now plays for the Brewers. So now the two Contreras brothers play in division against you. I don't know. The Cubs are just... I'm glad they got Swanson. I guess that's why I'm starting this as my vent sesh, because normally you might think, oh, Dancy Swanson, that's a good thing. You should be happy about that, and I am, because it is it is the Cubs announcing that they are going to be competitive. However, I still am not happy with the way they're handling their process. Um, yeah. So, ultimately, let me talk silver lining. They definitely are looking to compete. And the reason you know that is why, especially with how affordable the D'Angelo Swanson deal was, why would he go to Chicago instead of holding out for a better deal if they weren't selling him on competing? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like I, I definitely think they, they are expecting to be a competing in the division based on who they've acquired to this point. Um, <clears throat> I'm not content myself because I don't see it being more than a wild card spot. But then again, if it's a rebuild, maybe it's not really about next year. Maybe it's more about 2024, which is fine. I Those just... are the conversations that happen behind closed doors. And it's like, will you ever really know what their goal is? Right. You know, their well, their goal, their goal, what their goal has been ever since Theo Epstein left and they blew up the team last or two years ago. The goal was we are going to do a soft rebuild. So in the sense where in, instead of a rebuild where it takes like five, six, seven, eight years to complete a rebuild, they're looking at like a soft rebuild two or three years and we're back into being competitive and that's what they're pursuing. It seems like they will be kind of close in terms of being on track. They just, the Cubs just make me nervous because they just are, they've never been, they're never reliable. And so mm-hmm. I, I, I have to see, I have to see for myself what some of these prospects look like, which we should be able to see this year um, to know if things are really on the up and up. So, I don't know. For now, the Cubs are still kind of on my. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm just not I'm not the most thrilled with them. Still, I'm happy for, for Swanson, but there needs to be more. <clears throat> yeah, I think that's a fair way to approach it. It's like you can be happy at a signing, but if you're being promised, or at least like it's fair to expect more in the off season, you're kind of waiting for them to prove that they're serious you know um Mm -hmm. and maybe their mindset is hey our big move is going to be swanson but then also we're going to bring up all these guys from the minors you kind of just need to see what their their direction is um but i think it's fair to be kind of cautious with your opinion on it um i don't know and so much of baseball is just you need to open the checkbook it's like it is there's these these teams who convince themselves oh, there's tons of different ways to build a team. We're going to do it this way, and we're going to do it the right way. The way that works, you have to spend money. Um, and we talked about that a lot in the last episode. But um. Well, I really think the future of baseball, and they're going to get so much pushback from owners on this, but if we're being honest, <clears throat> like to me, 
there are teams being stingy with signing players like Correa or Turner or uh, Xander Bogarts to these monster deals because they're like, it's the same as the Albert Pujols deal. I don't want to sign him for 10, 13 years and then have to pay for six years of bad play mm-hmm. at an exorbitant rate, right. right? So I my suggestion, and again, we'll see if it ever happens, but like right now, it's preposterous that players are under club control until they're age 27 or 28. That is just not acceptable anymore. And <clears throat> they, especially with how little minor league players get paid, then if you finally make break it into the bigs, you still get paid like hardly anything. Right. Like it's just not cool. And again, it's going to be really hard to reform it with the way the owners are, mm-hmm. but I think it would be best for everybody and best for the sport, especially in terms of teams signing big contracts. If you had these players be free agents by like age 24 or 25, like they are in the NFL, right. like in the NFL, age 24 25 you're getting like, your first con- big contract right yes and that's the way it should be because in the nfl then <clears throat> it sets you up for basically two big contracts you can get your initial one and then potentially another one when you're around 30 depending on how well you play and what your position is yep <clears throat> for baseball this is why these contracts are insane because these players are not stupid they know that this is their one and only shot to strike it rich mm-hmm. And they have to drive up the price as much as possible. And then you have owners being stingy. So I think if you can, I I think players will demand less if they are up for contracts at age 24. I really do. And they think they can get a second contract. Exactly. Because players will bet on themselves. That's why Correa went to the Twins for a year. Yes. He on himself. It's just, it's hard to do that if you have one chance to to get your big payday. Exactly. You know, yeah. So just another example well, it, of like I mean, that's the it, way the sport is right now, and that's part of why baseball is so frustrating because there's these things about the sport yep, that precisely. really is just the way it is, and there's no way to change it, and it's not going to change, but it's just the reality of the sport right now. And then there's owners who don't realize it. So the only way it'll ever change is they're going to have to convince owners that they're going to make money somehow through doing this. Because yeah. right now, <clears throat> if you pitched that to owners, owners would say, well, we're only going to lose money because we don't get to control those players for as long. Yep. So you have s- meetings about it for a year and a half. There will be two lockouts. It's like anytime yep. you have any pro- try to have any progress in baseball, the whole sport falls apart. Yep. Yeah. Completely and utterly agree. Well, at least it's action. At least the Cubs will have a reason to get the marquee network this year. Um, yeah. No. Baseball is just so annoying. It's like it is the worst. I, I, I'm still gonna get all hyped up for opening day. I'm still gonna watch the games. I'm still. It's fun to bet the games. Like, bet some nerfies. Yeah. It's like it's fun. I'm gonna look forward to baseball. When you're in the off season though, and there's other sports to watch it's easier to be critical of baseball because you don't have that same romantic butterflies in your stomach feeling like, Oh, it's baseball season. Just objectively looking at the sport right now. It's in a pretty bad spot. Um, so I don't know. Well, I think what hurts the most for baseball is that 
<clears throat> it's been for me it's become way more something where i have way more fun going out and throwing a baseball around with somebody than sitting down and watching the game i love as opposed to baseball way more than the mlb <laughs> right as opposed to football i might go out and throw a football at halftime but once it halftime's over i'm like i gotta get in and finish watching the game you yep. know yep so we need to get together and throw a baseball around this spring okay dad <laughs> right good try son <laughs> now throw it back <laughs> like in sandlot or whatever <laughs> yeah i drop it oh there must be a hole in your mitt right <laughs> keep your eye on the ball hilarious dad <laughs> oh man all right about the classic for my dad was i would have a play a game where i would have like four strikeouts and he'd be like well hey at least you made contact oh yeah oh yep. thanks cool <laughs> makes me feel a lot better that i could be like part he, of the ball like just be like you just gotta keep your eye on the ball it's like oh i had no idea thanks <laughs> <laughs> you've only told me that every time i strike out yeah <laughs> oh man oh man oh man gonna be those baseball dads uh, soon i'm sure yeah you and i are gonna be the dads more that are like why are you ducking away from that pitch lean into it yeah, you <laughs> take one draw. for the team yeah, gotta get on first base it's all about runners you yeah need more runners you need your obp up it's not high enough right now yeah we got you actually not even obp we're looking at your ops your slugging percentage mm -hmm. plus your on base percentage and if you want to look good for the bigs you got to have a good on base percentage to help your OPS. Yeah, you really got to work on hitting into the shift a little more. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> got to turn yeah. your feet. Turn your feet. And, and no, you know, I listen, I know you're only four, but why are you hitting into the dirt? We're trying to work on launch angle here, okay? <laughs> right. Got to get the ball in the air. That's how things this happen. This game's all about home runs. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you're four years old. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. <laughs> you're never going to sign that big contract with the Cubs <laughs> at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, I'm just hitting off a tee. <laughs> and that's all you'll ever be if you don't turn it around. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, that's why That's why we love baseball in America. Yeah, there's just so many <laughs> abusive parents. Yeah, it's just such a great, rich history of <laughs> yeah discrimination and violence. Yeah. Well, it's uh, not entirely untrue. No, it's not. <laughs> It is. I don't know, about, like I don't know about the violence part, but there's definitely discrimination. Yeah, the whole romantic part of baseball, though, is the there's so many sayings that come along with it. Everyone has had some pretty universal experiences when it comes to baseball. Um, yeah, it's a great sport, but the MLB has done a good job of kind of ruining that at times. Here, here's a, here's a thought. So, if you like. You, you know, if you harm your child, you get CPS called on you, right? Oh, okay, yeah. So why is it then when you have parents, sports parents, who are, like, repeatedly making their son go out and play football or, like, you know, oh, I know you, I know you pitched, like, 10 innings the other day, but you're going to pitch again tomorrow. Mm. Like, and, like, how is that not considered harming your child? Right. I mean, yeah. It sh should be, right? And so then is the responsibility, though, is it because you can blame the coach and be like, oh, the coach let him do it, you know? I guess. Yeah, because a ton <laughs> of that is, like, pressure from your parents, right? So it's like, mm -hmm. yeah. 
or hockey, you get a concussion. It's like, ah, you need to get back out there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, Tua. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hockey hockey parents are some of the worst. <laughs> yeah. It, it, I don't know. It's definitely – and then you have kids who grow up to hate the sport because their parent tried to, like, live through them and yeah, force, force them to play the sport. All they want to do is play the flute. You get back out there, right? Put your helmet on. Yeah. I'll pu- I'll play your flute. Right. Oh my! <laughs> <laughs> and then that's how the therapy started. That's right. Yeah. So what were we talking about? <laughs> um, baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much? How how I think they should improve contracts, but how much it actually sucks? Because you know they won't. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. We'll go to a Cubs Tigers game this year, hopefully, and mm-hmm. we'll see Mr. Swanson in person. And maybe even Mr. Manfred. Mm. Probably not. Hopefully not. <laughs> I don't I don't see him going to a regular season <laughs> weekday Lions Cubs game in Detroit. So yeah. yeah. Probably not. He'd be one of fifty people there. So <laughs> <laughs> um so speaking of the de- of Detroit, so Comerica Park's right next to Ford Field. It is, yeah. Isn't there a team that's been really good this year playing at Ford Field, like the bu- the Buffalo Bills, right? Yeah, they've they've had a good track record there. Uh, yeah. Beat the Lions there, um, two game win streak this year there. Um, well, the Lions have played and playing well there, but we just were also playing well in New York this past week, so we just beat the Jets to win six of our last seven. Um, Whew. Which, with that only loss being that really close one against the Bills. Yeah, it's and crazy. It's, you look back, and obviously any of those wins we had could have also went the other way, so it's unfair to say this. But if they had went the other way, we'd have an, we'd be 8-6 and six right now with a seven-game win streak. Um, Would that so put you com- at the second wild-card spot behind yeah, the Cowboys? Yeah, we'd be in a wild Right now we're a half game out, so if you reverse a full game, yeah, we'd be. And that's because of the tie, right? Yeah, it's a half game because of the tie. They're ahead of us by a half game. If either of those teams had lost, we'd be a full game behind the winner and tied with the loser, but we'd have a tiebreaker. So, honestly, we had a tiebreaker over the Giants and the the football team or the Commanders. Um, But because they tied, now they're both a half game ahead of us. So, basically, took away our tiebreaker. Which, that's (laughs) another thing I was thinking about, by the way with football because I was thinking about your situation and it relates to the bears and in like 2012, I want to say it was yeah. Um, Mark Tressman's first year when the bears offense was like one of the best in the league, but their defense sucked, Mm -hmm. but the bears were eight and seven going into their last game of the year. Rogers that year had his collarbone broken by Shay McClellan. Mm-hmm. You and I were celebrating in our was that a psychology class we were in? I don't I remember. Yeah, I remember the room it was in, yeah. Yeah, I remember the room too, because we were watching it on my laptop yep. and we had to like <laughs> keep calm. I have a very but, vivid memory of that moment. Yeah, me too. But anyway, uh so yeah. yeah. Where was I going with this? About the tie. Start romanticizing about Rodgers breaking his collarbone. Um, It's just so easy to get lost. So that year, the Bears going to the last game of the season were 8-7, and and the Packers were 7-7-1. And And the the result was that it was Bears-Packers at Soldier Field, and the result was winner goes to the playoffs. Mm -hmm. 
and the Packers won, and they advanced at eight, Even seven, and one. Even though they had the same number of wins as you, yeah. Now, in that scenario, yes, the winner, like, yeah, the Bears should have deserved to win, or, or not deserve. The Bears should have won if they wanted to advance. I get that. Yeah, I'm not going to blame the Packers for doing completing the job and winning the game or whatever. Right. But I do blame the NFL that we're getting that we're messing around with ties still at this point. It just like, shafts somebody every time, and it is always a team other than the one who got the tie. It feels like because uh, when is there ever a tie that feels like? Because like because like in this scenario, if the playoffs started today, the Lions are just out of the playoffs, even though they have the tiebreaker over the Commanders, who and have the, the same, Giants. yeah, who have the same number of wins as them. Yeah, but they have one fewer loss because it's a tie, and it's just like it, it feels the tie so. Shouldn't help both teams that tie. I don't right. know. Right, I get it's like you could look at it as like oh, it's like a hockey overtime loss. You still get a point. It's just the way the playoffs in the NFL work, where the outcome of one game does determine who does and doesn't make the playoffs. It just it throws a wrench in the whole thing. Well, and every I mean every time you watch a tie, like there's never been a single tie in NFL football that's been like, oh, that was a great game, that was a classic, that was a good game. Both the teams played game, really well. Just like, Ugh, that's yeah, it. usually ties. Yeah. Both teams play horribly, yep. and it just is kind of randomly happens. And it's now because we're in overtime, that. neither team can score because if somebody scores a touchdown, it's over. So also because in overtime. Yeah, so there's that. Also, they made it only 10 minutes now. Yeah. And so it goes by super quickly. Like, if one team drives and misses a field goal or a touchdown, basically, the other yeah. team probably doesn't have time to drive and score. Yeah. It's like, like, now you have a two-minute offense out there, basically. Yeah. Yeah. It's stupid. Honestly, and I'd I be understand all for a shootout of kicks. Yeah, like, I because I understand player time, safety, and you don't want to keep playing the actual contact sport of football. I get it. But, yeah, the suggestion of, like, a kickoff. I'd be all for that. At that point, just decide a winner. Like, who cares? I mean, I don't see what's so bad about it. I really don't. Kicking, I actually thought. And kicking is a big part of the game. So, it's not like you're doing, like, a shootout in hockey where it's, like, this feels quite a bit different from the normal flow of a game. Making field goals is a normal part of the game. And, and see, people talk about how, oh, well, the kicking is going to become obsolete. It's not even a part of the game anymore. See, but the thing to me is instead of so it's currently not a very popular thing for teams to do is to settle for a field goal or whatever yeah but you make kicking instead of just riding that oh yeah it's not that relevant let's like slowly get rid of it instead make it more important to the game and so now if there's a tie now we have the kicker advantage right yeah but yeah i mean imagine 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 a world where it's like Justin Tucker versus Harrison Butker. I mean, that'd be that'd be sick. It'd be yeah, it'd be awesome. And my suggestion has been that you start you start the kickers at like a PAT, yeah, and then you go from back by five yards each time. Either well, that or every now and then it's ten yards. So maybe they line up at the ten, and then the twenty, and then the twenty-five, and then the thirty, and, and then, then the forty, and then the fifty. And you keep going until one person misses, yeah, you know? Yep. The other suggestion I have, which they would never, ever go for this because it's not an actual score. It's not points. But I just thought it would be funny to do sometime 
would be like, what if, in order to determine it, you had both punters punt from like their own like thirty-five yard mm-hmm. line, whichever one went the furthest. Not with the furthest, whichever one had the 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 best ball pinned inside the twenty, mm. and so it would be, be funny. Or who, not necessarily inside the twenty, just the best the best punt. So it's not about yeah. the furthest. It's just like, and so I, I I think what you would do is you'd have a punter, and you'd have like you'd have the full team out there, which I guess is the problem with the the contact part. But the idea is that you'd have a team who's blocking and stuff, and then one team who's trying to turn it back out. Yeah, yeah, trying to return it to improve the position. Imagine but you then, just return it for a touchdown, and then the next guy he just kicks it five yards, like onside kick, to win the game. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. I I just I like the idea of making creative changes to stuff exactly. like that. And as much as we hate it on baseball, they're like runner out to start on second to start an inning. I loved that. Like it has been better, yeah. Yeah, because it helped the flow of the game. It helps you decide a winner, and it was creative. You know, like, I feel what do you like think about win. what do you think about this year with them taking the shift away? <sighs> I because don't know. I go back I, and forth on that. I sort of disagree with it because it's like any other, and literally any other sport. You can have any player from any position mm-hmm. play anywhere on the field almost at any time. Football, there's some restrictions, like with a legal receiver downfield or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But even so, if you want to, you could still have a lineman or a defensive lineman or somebody line up as an eligible receiver. So, like, even though they have like, to – I Sewell did. Right. So even though they have to be in a specific formation, mm-hmm. it's like they still can play. Yeah, you can have Penesu line up to play quarterback like because right. you just can. You also are able to overload one side of the line and stuff to give you an advantage. You can't be like, oh, you're not allowed to put three defensive linemen on the left side of the ball. You need to have two right. and two. Like, yeah. What or imagine in basketball. <laughs> imagine in basketball. You're not allowed to double team LeBron James. It has to be one on one. Right. Like what? Yeah. How? <laughs> like that? Like, because the whole point is that you're taking a risk, right? Like, when you double-team someone, you're taking a risk because, in theory, you're freeing up somebody else in favor of pinning that dude. And same thing with football. If you're if you're loading up one side of the line, now the other side is weaker. Yeah. Now the, the other team can counter with a safety blitz or something on that weak side and maybe get to you. And so in baseball, that's where the shift has been. It's been, okay, if, if I move my third baseman over to fill the gap between first and second. And he and then bunt down. I'm screwed. <laughs> well, that or what if they just hit oppo? Like, yeah. like, like you're just giving – basically you're giving up a free hit. And it just so happens that players are really bad at doing it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's, it's a little – I think it's I, because I, pitchers have become so overpowering they've done the math to where it's almost impossible. If they put a shift on and then overload it to one side, they can pitch you to the inside or whatever. Basically, That's make true. it impossible for you to go opposite. So really, it's... pitchers have become so dominant. So I get why they're doing it. It just feels like a weird solution to say that's just not allowed. So it's more because about the pitchers. It works, you know? Yeah, it's to help the pitcher because the pitcher pitches them so that they have to hit it that way. 
I well, mean, it's I, possible to hit an oppo, but they basically make it impossible. <laughs> I just think you're gonna. I just think they're gonna run into an issue with like, because like, what are you considering everyone's territory? Because like, mm-hmm. second and first, their territory overlaps. Second and short, theirs overlap. Short, the short and third, start on his side, and then as contact happens, he crossed the bag. He's off sides. He crossed the bag before the right, ball was in play. Right. You know, like, yeah. It opens up a weird can of worms as far as how that is enforced. But how many That's feet baseball. away from the second baseman was he? Was he too close? Yeah. You know, I don't know. Oh, an idea for football too, by the way, that I forgot to mention to you is, I think, and this is not my original idea. This is an idea I heard from Adam Hogue on the Hogan Johns podcast. Mm-hmm. But I think, and I agree with him on this, they should do away with coin flips, even though they're fun to bet on in the Super Bowl. You do away with coin flips, and the team that gets to determine what to do with the ball is the home team. Yeah. Because that's the whole point of home field advantage. Like, I don't hate that. Yeah. There's not really home field advantage in football. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when you have a better record, like, the only home field advantage you have in, like, the postseason is that, oh, your crowd is really loud. Mm-hmm. But how about adding an extra part to it where it's like, okay, the Bengals are hosting – the Ravens, and so now the Bengals get to make the call. Are they going to defer or are they going to receive? And then if it goes to overtime, are they going to? Ref- they're probably going to receive. They get to make that call because they're the home team. Mm. Like it's an extra advantage. Overtime would be interesting to have. That's a huge advantage for overtime, right? Hmm. But doesn't that feel more fair? Like it's at your place. I wouldn't hate that. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, we're- it doesn't save a ton of time. So it's not. It doesn't feel like a super. No, it's not about time. It's just about. It's more f- about creating a, because you have the same number of home and away games. So it's like, it's an advantage that should level out. So, yeah. The point is, the point is, is just that it, coin flips are so stupid because, like, especially in overtime, they're so dumb. Why? Why is it? They're dumb because they don't let both teams have the ball. If both yeah. teams were guaranteed the ball then it doesn't really matter to me. That's the other thing we're talking about. Oh, we should get rid of ties. We should have a like a kicking competition to end it. College overtime rules are just so much better. <laughs> Why can't we just do that in the NFL? <laughs> Cuz you always have a winner and then because... it gets to the very end and you go for two point you have to go for two point conversions. So it's like you score, you score again, and on that score then you have to go for two. And then if you hit that, now you just alternate two-point conversions. until The NFL Players Association will never agree to that because college rules are still – there's still, like, full contact going on. Like, the the only way you do it is you have to have a kickoff. Like, that's the only way you can, where it's literally just Mm -hmm. a kicker and a holder and a long snapper. Like, you don't have anyone else in the field. You have those three players – and you're just doing a kickoff because that's the only way to do non-contact because that's the – I think that's the hang-up. That's why overtime is only 10 minutes. But, I mean, our current overtime has, in a 10-minute span, has probably as much overtime as just doing two-point conversions would, right? Maybe. I don't know. I just, however you do it, having time – Oh, you're saying, you're saying two-point conversions instead of – I was thinking after the overtime. Well, that's what I did mean is, like, do – a. Sh- Duke an overtime, but like college overtime, where you start basically in the red zone, and then you score. The other team has a chance to match you, 
and then after that you start in the red zone and you score and have to go for two and then after that it's just straight two-point conversions so you still have contact but you're not driving the whole field so you're not having as much wear and tear it's shorter drives and then two-point conversions you're not really taking hits you're just throwing a ball into the end zone you know yeah i don't know i just however it's done it shouldn't be a tie i like the idea of kicks because it's unique and it adds some value to that dude imagine fantasy scoring imagine you have a kicker oh my kicker had 90 or 29 points this week because they went to overtime and he made 11 field goals (laughs) imagine how cool like think about think about how much cooler it would be (laughs) in the super bowl or in the playoffs like think how high stakes that would be kickoff 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 like just going back and forth the it'd kickers like trading blows and, it'd be like free kicks in soccer with the drama of like a back and forth battle it would be and you get that with shootouts too it's like just alternating you know yeah that'd be fun because that's the problem with the nfl playoff or the nfl overtime is you don't have that back and forth alternating now it's your turn now it's our turn now it's your turn right. it's just who gets the ball first they could end it you know it's like yep. yeah yep well, we've been on a major tangent, and it's getting super late. <laughs> yep, yep. So, I don't even know what we want to do now. Um, but the Lions are probably going to win the Super Bowl. I think that's a fair. We're not gonna, we don't want to overreact, but I think a Super Bowl is a very real expectation at this point. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I told you I'm rooting for the Lions because the Lions winning the Super Bowl is like the Cubs winning the World Series, yeah. something that seems completely unattainable it's like curse breaking level of improbable where it's like (laughs) are we in the end times you know yeah yeah so i mean the cup or the cubs (laughs) the cubs of the nfl the lions are definitely showing super signs of improvement every week they're accomplishing things that is seems like they're training in a direction i've never seen before getting wins on the road beating good teams putting together winning streaks the defense is improving. Um, like, we're showing all the right signs. So we wanted to kind of quickly just talk through where – so the question – this will kind of bleed into some FN hypotheticals that we wanted to do. Um, so I think let's just kind of wrap this discussion of football so, up. Yeah. So th- I'll just be honest. So, like, it's yeah. late yep. and it's coming up on Christmas – and we're both just kind of tired of things. So here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll talk NFL. And then we'll do – I know we want to tackle, like, you know, the future of our franchises. But let's save that for the next episode. Okay. Let's do one or two of our other Christmas-themed hypotheticals, and we'll call it a show. Okay. Sounds good. So, yeah. Um, Lions so NFL Bears. first. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Lions, at this point – I feel like the, we're kind of a year ahead of schedule as far as making the playoffs. I said coming into the year, my expectation was to win seven or eight games. We kind of took a really roundabout way of doing that by starting <laughs> one and six and then still ending up where I kind of wanted to be. But I'll take it. Um, so it's definitely signs of progress from last year. Our draft classes these past two years have been amazing. So I kind of am at the point with my team where – I've always thought if you have the right GM, you have the right head coach, and you have the right quarterback. If you have two of those th- three things right, you're like a real – you're a solid team. If you have all three right, you're like an elite team. At this point, I feel very confident that the Lions had the GM right. 
I still don't know about head coach and quarterback, but they're showing some good signs this year. So I feel like with those three things all being critical, I really like the direction the team is going in. And the GM is probably the most important of those three pieces. So, um, I, I mean, the, the team improved a lot this year over last year. I expect us to improve a lot next year, too. So even if we end up not making the playoffs or we lose in the first round of the playoffs, I think next year is the year I expect to compete for the division. Um, based on how Minnesota's looked this year, don't know what happens with Rodgers and the Packers. The Bears are showing signs of improvement, too, which you'll get to, but they're kind of a year behind where the Lions are. So if I'm the Lions, I don't see why I wouldn't think next year is a year to compete for the NFC North. Um, and this year is kind of just enjoy the ride, and I'm happy with where we're at. Um, but, yeah, of course I'd love to make the playoffs, and I think if we do, you're on the road, so it's a tough matchup, but you're probably, as a wild card team, going to play a team like Minnesota, and I don't hate that matchup if I'm the Lions. So we'll see. Um, Carolina this week, and then – Bears and Packers so you have two division teams and that Packers game at the end of the year could be winner goes to the playoffs oh man if the Packers win out I talked to my Packers fan co-worker and he thinks that the Packers make the playoffs I do not so they play the Dolphins this week in Miami next in Miami they're gonna lose this week I don't know why Packers fans are talking as if they're going to make the playoffs Rodgers sucks in Florida they are absolutely going to lose this week and if they don't they're going to lose to the Vikings next week. I don't think the Packers are going to win another game this year. So I don't know. And why if they, they don't, can. then they're going to lose to the Lions. Yeah, I don't know. They're going to be underdogs in all three games. I don't know why. Packers and if they wins. don't, then they're going to lose to the 49ers somehow. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I don't know why there's this. I know Rodgers and the the players are all going to think this. So I'm not surprised that them saying they think they're going to make the playoffs. I don't know where this narrative's coming from, though, where people are starting to talk as if the Packers are going to make the playoffs. They absolutely will not. <laughs> So, um, but it would be funny though, if it got down to that last, cause then you do get nervous. Cause as bad as the Packers have been going to Lambeau last game of the year for some, make the playoffs is tough. So I don't know. We'll see. I just don't, cause they have to pass up the lions as well as the commanders, right? Yeah. And the giants and the Seahawks and them could both make the playoffs. I guess. That's true. Yeah. So I, yeah. Uh, there's a lot that has to go. But didn't they lose to the Commanders this year? Yeah, and the Giants. So they lost to the Lions, the Giants, the Commanders this year. So those teams all have tiebreakers over you, yep. and you're a game behind the Lions, and the Lions need help. So I don't know why they think they're going to make the play. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know. So anyway, um, Bears. That's kind of where I'm at with the Lions. Hot, hot take maybe. Next year, okay. I think the Packers return to relevancy next year for one more year of Rodgers. I think he'll be back with those receivers. I think the Vikings finished third. Okay. Lions. It's hard to pick them to win their division because they haven't done it in so long. Right. Yep. But it just feels like they're on the up on the up and up. Mm-hmm. So I, as of right now, I would pick the Lions and then the Bears. I think would finish in a competitive fourth. Where if the Vikings are third and it's like, you know, they're like eight wins or something. Yeah, I think the Bears are right there. Maybe even having the same record, just not quite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, yep. um, as far as the Bears, yeah, I mean they're a really bad team. You can see that any game you watch. They just 
everything about them defensively, offensively, everything. There's just no depth, and the pieces that you do have are just, you know, they really are just our depth pieces. Like, And now you're missing so many guys that you would have wanted to watch to finish the season like Darnell Mooney and Jack Sanborn and Tevin Jenkins. All these guys are injured now. And so the purpose of watching the season has just gotten so diminished. Um, the Bears are just – obviously the one bright spot is Justin Fields, and Justin Fields does bring a lot of hope to the city. Um in fact, the CHGO uh, website, they put out a weekly, like, newsletter thing. And their whole thing was about hope. And then basically how Chicago sports are in a really dark place right now. The sports teams here on Wednesday, December 21st, they are uh, – they have 18 straight losses combined. Like, yeah. they are bad – it's a bad sports city right now in terms of the quality of the teams. And um, the article just come, kept coming back to saying the biggest hope we have is in Justin Fields, that mm-hmm. we finally have a quarterback. And that's really going to be the answer. Um, you mentioned about coach GM quarterback. Um, I think an argument can be made that the quarterback is the most valuable there, even though I probably would side with GM, maybe. I'm not sure. You could make that argument, though, for sure. That's um, And the Bears have that. Now, is Ryan Poles the guy? Is Iberflus the guy? I don't know. A lot will be determined when they come up on the draft here. Yep. But I think a lot of Bears fans are expecting – um, some big things from fields next year. The Bears have already been reported to be big spenders this free agency, which they better be because they have a ton of money to do so. Mm-hmm. The biggest name being mocked to the Bears right now is DeAndre Hopkins because of his situation in Arizona. That'd be a huge um, sign. It would be so good. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But as far as fields goes, like I know there's haters out there, including you. But I continue, I continue to just be impressed with him. Yeah. Um, again, his number, the amount of throws he's being asked to complete are minimal. Um, that's combined because of the, the play calling, but also because of the pass rush. The pass rush, the people are just in his lap immediately. And obviously you can't make throws or complete throws when you have that situation. So despite all of that, um, even though he didn't throw for very much, like again, a 153 yard game or whatever fields ended the day with a 119 passer rating. I don't know how it's calculated, but by like a lot, he had the best passer rating in the NFL for teams that play the Eagles. And so you, that to me is a really big deal because you're talking about the premier team of the NFL. They are like a Super Bowl favorite. They have one loss in the season. They are the juggernauts. Everyone's excited about the Eagles. And yes, you didn't beat them, but one, you had, you took advantage of opportunities at the end. And then there's a questionable onside kick, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. But so not only that, um, I don't remember what I was going to say, but point is. I think, oh, th- that you have the highest passer rating of anybody that's played the Eagles. Like, that's, to me, that's a huge deal. Um, 
And it says a lot about Justin Fields, I think. And he's been very vocal lately, basically saying like, hey, I run when I have to, but I really don't like it. It's not my style. I've never been this guy. And mm-hmm. um, he just needs he just needs a little more time in the pocket and he needs guys to create more separation. I cannot tell you the number of tweets I would read after a missed throw. And this is tweets from like reputable bears people who would say there's just nobody getting open. And it's, it's, it's crazy, but it's also not crazy when Dante Pettis is currently your number one because everybody else is injured. Right. So, um, that's my story on Fields. Basically, only positives. Only looking forward to the future with him. Um, yeah, there you go. And I'll just say on Fields too. Like, it's kind of I'll say I'm changing my mind on him, but not in a way where it's like I hadn't considered this, and now I'm cha- like. So it's not Hall of Fame, <laughs> right? I guess it's like it's progressing in my mind to where my issue had always been like. He shows flashes. He makes plays that like nobody else can make. But where's like you need the consistency and the track record. But now he's put together like going on five or six really solid performances in a row. And you can nitpick things here or there, but that's true of every quarterback. Like right. he's he's shown that consistency. So I, I think I the have, number one thing people are wanting to see is the passing yards to increase. But you're limited when you don't have receivers getting open and don't have time given to you from the O-line. And I think that will be a fair criticism next year. And you can say, like, oh, it's a different kind of offense. He's not asked to do as much. Like, if you're a star quarterback, at some point you do need to put together some games or you're passed for 300 yards. Like, that's just the NFL now. But, yeah, this year, like, who's going to receive 300 yards, you know? So, um, So, yeah, I'd just say, like, my mind is kind of not changing, but, like, things are progressing to where now I'm like, yeah, like there's every reason to be optimistic, which I've always said, but now I'm starting to see like, Hey, next year I will probably also say like going into this off season, if the bears put a good team together, I'd probably rank him top 10 going into next year. Um, so like he's, he's shown some of the things I've been asking him to show. And my issue was always top 10 all time. Yeah. Top 10 dead or alive. Um, <laughs> It, my issue was always not that I didn't think he had the potential to do this. Like I always did. It was that people were already crowning him before we uh, saw yeah. any of this. And I was like, I know. let him do it first. And now that he's doing it, like I'm fully prepared to say, yeah, he is. he's a really good quarterback right now. He has the potential to be a great quarterback. He might be that next young guy who, like the Jalen Hurts to a emergence of this past year. You know, like yep. So he might be that guy next year or the following year as you get more weapons around him. That was just always my issue. It's not so much with him as a player. It was just with some of the people who were too. Quick, I I know. You know. So, but no, I'm at the point now where it's like I think at this point, if you are saying he he can't throw and he sucks and stuff, you are a hater because now we've seen that him do that. You know, there's sure there's still areas he needs to improve and grow and all that, but he's a second year and it's not even a full second year. This again is his first full year starting. I brought this up a few weeks ago, and it still is holding true right now. If you go and compare his stats with Josh Allen from Josh Allen's second year, which is everyone has been saying how Fields has been compared to Hurts and Allen. Those are the two people. For one, his stats are very similar to Hurts last year, Mm -hmm. and his stats are very similar to Allen's from from year two. The biggest discrepancy is in the passing yards 
which we already addressed as to why those are so low and why they're requiring them, why they have to lean on the run game. But in terms of touchdowns to interceptions ratio and all the other nerdy stats, he's like right in line with those guys. So, and you're talking about the two, the quarterbacks, the two best teams in the league. So, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about for the bears. So much of a quarterback success is just the the situation they're in. So really a lot, he's got a ton of ability just on his own to where he's going to show those flashes anywhere. A lot of his career success though is going to be determined by what, Poles and Eberflus do these next two years. Agreed. Um, Major. You have to give him a line. You have to give him an offense. You have to have a, a an offense that calls plays to his strengths. Like there's a lot of things like that that are out of his control. Yeah. Where frankly, I mean, would Tom Brady have been the greatest of all time if he was drafted by the Lions? Like there's always things like that where it's like, how much of it is your environment versus just who you are as a hundred percent. And so, 100%. so much of his legacy is going to be determined by this off season. So. We will see. Yeah. Well, let's throw in a couple quick questions. One, uh, so we're going to do hypotheticals, all Christmas-themed ones. Mm. Um, Sorry again to everyone that retired. Let's start with top three songs to, as you wrote on our notes, top three songs to jingle your bells to. Oh, what do you mean by that? I was going to ask you because you wrote it. (laughs) That's true. Hmm. Let's just say Christmas, family holiday, a lot of sentiment, a lot of magic in the air, snuggled up by a fire. There's just Your a hot lot of aunt things. is over. Yeah. One thing leads to another, and uh, Christmas might come a little early. So mm. Mm. Um, it's with this, this being a special time of year, if you were to snuggle up next to the fire with a certain someone special. Um, and they dump their cookies and milk out. Yeah. <laughs> Don't the milk out. Yeah, and give you the cookies. Um, what song would you picture being a great song to play in the background on that not so silent night? Mm. And are are we doing like a top three? Or are we just gonna rattle songs off? Or I don't know. Let's go back and forth though. Okay. So, I think things will conclude with a white Christmas for sure. <laughs> They're very nice. Um. Hmm. I'm thinking of. I I think we're these are explicitly Christmas songs, right? They're- yeah, but I know there's like a wide range of what's considered that. But yeah, like Christmas winter themed songs, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Because one to me that I feel like works really well for this is Carol of the Bells. Okay. Because so you got a, you got a, you got a nice. Dun 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 It's like a build. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Some nice tempo there. Yeah. And if you want, you can sing the lyrics. You can go, hark how the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. You know? Yeah, I got you. Yeah. It's like a metronome, like we were talking. Gaily, they say, "Why?" Yeah. <laughs> da, 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 da. Yeah. Um. Well, the one that basically in the song is describing this is "Baby, It's Cold Outside." Mm. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's very like 
rapey. Yeah, how I don't know how much consent has been established in this song. Say please what's in the string? Please let me go. No. <laughs> Unlock the door. Why is the duct tape out? Like the song's <laughs> not very family friendly if you really listen to it. Yeah. Um So you would about you would make love to that? No, I would not. I would not. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were saying that's what you would do. What? What are what are you talking about? <laughs> We're talking about something different. Um, what about Under the Mistletoe? By Justin Bieber. Is that what it's called? Underneath the know. tree is also another one. I don't know anything. Yeah. Talking about you're underneath. here where you should be. Snow is falling as the carolers sing. Just wasn't the same. Alone on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Presents. Yeah. There you go. Anything that's like underneath something, especially underneath some kind of shrubbery, the implications there are just mm. yeah, yeah. Are we taking turns? Or are you just ra- did you pick one? Or are you not? Are you just rattling off names? That was my one. Oh, okay. Underneath the tree. I see. I see. I see. All right. <coughs> um. <clears throat> I feel like. Maybe like during foreplay, like as you're starting to get into it, okay. like a nice instrumental version of "Oh Holy Night" would be, uh, would be nice. Just because it's a nice song, is there any specific reason? Well, it is a nice song, but also there's the obvious reason of "Oh Holy Night." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and two, it's just like it's a song that kind of sets the stage for the Christmas story. It's mm-hmm. like the stars are shining. It's like you know you're describing like the setting. I feel like that would be a good first. Oh, song. your hole is tight. <laughs> <laughs> that would just be a good first song on the playlist yep, for sure. Yep, that was yep. good. Fall on your knees. <laughs> oh, this boy. is the night of my dear children's conception. <laughs> there you go. Oh. Um, hmm. Fall on your knees. Yeah, that's a good lyric. Good job. Yeah, fall on your knees. Yeah. Rocking around the Christmas tree for sure. Oh, yeah. Why did I not think of that? That's a good one. Because, I mean, that's what your plan is, right? To rock around the Christmas tree. And you're as hard as a rock. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Hmm. Well,. One thing you'd want to be—I'm not saying this is a song I would choose—but one thing you'd want to be careful about is you wouldn't want your chestnuts roasting on the open fire. <laughs> yeah, make sure that's, you leave <laughs> adequate space. That's Sa- for sure. Safety first. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, What's roasting? I'm kind of thinking about. Um, hmm. So if I have Oh Holy Night as the foreplay, Carol of the Bells for like the main mm. like portion of the love making, I feel like the the climax, if you will, <laughs> right, the crescendo, um, as a director may say. Mm. Um, hmm. This is tough. Um. Okay, I think I have my answer. Okay. So, all of these are like instrumental, as you can see, because I just feel like lyrics would be so distracting. But like, so I started with instrumental "Oh Holy Night," 
right? Good experience there. Let's warm up, get it going. All right, we're officially going. Carol of the Bells is happening. All right. Okay, oh, good. man. Oh, man, I'm coming close. And what comes on? Yeah. You know what that is, right? The Nutcracker? Yeah. Nutcracker Ballet. Yeah. And the Nutcracker is a perfect name, too, for what's happening. Yeah. The Nutbuster Ballet. That's right. Yeah, that's really good. Because it's really bombastic and it has the parts where there's symbols going and yep. yeah, it's a good like crescendo, like you said, is a great word for it. Yeah, grand finale kind of thing. Yeah, especially because uh, there's and, and there's the part two where like uh, at the end where there's like the where it's like kind of recoiling back and then it builds up one more time for one final mm, big bum 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 bum. Yeah, you time that right, things could be perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yep, that's right. Just like a Hallmark movie. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Huh. You'll be let it snow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to close my playlist then. I might have already mentioned three, but the last one I'm going to mention is Frank Sinatra, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Mm. Um, yeah, because Frank Aww. Sinatra just already is very, you know, like that kind of like sultry music in the mood kind of music. So if you have a Christmas song sung by sinatra about having a good time like it's already yeah. basically implied so well i i think uh an interesting postlude to this event would be you know any song that has to deal with you know you know if, if we're being real as wonderful as it is sometimes there sometimes the smell can be a little you know and so to me here, just to fit that mood, I would put Jingle Bells, Batman Smells, Robin Laid an Egg. The classic reason. Because, yeah. yeah, smells and egg, Ooh, egg, egg smells, yeah. 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 Not well, good. Well, I would just say if your significant other has ever struggled with any body image issues, I would not play <laughs> I Want a Hippopotamus for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a real mood killer. Or <laughs> All I Want for Christmas is Two Front Teeth. There. No, please don't. Yeah. <laughs> no, no teeth, please. <laughs> and oh, depending on terrible misinterpretation, depending on the age of your partner, you may want to avoid grandma got run over by a reindeer. Mm, yeah. <laughs> if you're gilfing out there on these Firstly, Christmas streets. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, don't play that song. <laughs> You and Mrs. Claus snuggled up there in the North Pole. Yeah. Mm. Oh man, Mrs. Claus. Yeah. Um. There was one other thought I had. Santa's drinking milk all year long. I mean, Santa is coming to town. So. <laughs> With his sack. That's right. He knows when you're sleeping, and he knows when you're awake. He knows <laughs> if you've been good or naughty. You've been a bad. <laughs> oh boy as you all can tell we're very experienced with this Mm -hmm. you you can all tell that we have uh that we don't have any kids and we have all sorts of time to (laughs) seduce our significant others with christmas music we are the experts you're welcome um yeah um cool cool all right so 
let's should you go from there to five worst Christmas songs? Yeah, that's a good transition there. And Christmas, it's so much of it is about the music. So this it's kind of fun to have a couple different segments about it. Um, so I've always had some strong opinions about Christmas songs I hate because I worked in retail. Mm. So if you worked in retail, you've heard a lot of the same kind of pop Christmas songs played over and over again. And I'll just say, like, I love Christmas music. I've always preferred, like, the old classic Christmas songs. And I hate the newer pop kind of Christmas songs for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I'm curious where this goes. But, yeah, we can, here in the comments, we'll add them as we go. But uh, why don't you just start on this? Um, and it doesn't need to be, like, your least favorite to most. Like, it doesn't need to be ranked like that. So, like, a normal draft day's. Pick ones that like you want to steal so that I can't use. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Basically, uh, if you were to create a playlist that you would least want to jingle your bells to, what would those five songs be? So I'll start with "Mistletoe" by Justin Bieber. Really? Okay. Yeah, I not a fan, and it's not because it's Bieber because he has some good stuff. <coughs> it's just yeah. that song is too much like old Bieber for me. And yeah, I see that. Like the whole song is just like, ooh, shoddy with you, ooh, underneath mm. the mistletoe, and it's just like, uh, and the whole, all the, all the, the whole tradition of the mistletoe is so stupid to me anyway. Then to have a song about it, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Yeah. Um. So we mentioned this earlier. I feel very strongly about this though. Baby, it's cold outside is a terrible Christmas song. Mm. Um, not just because like the political climate we're in for the most part, everyone's <laughs> on the same page that this isn't cool behavior. Um, it just the idea though of like, and again, this is an older song, so it's not like, it's just because I like old classic songs. This has been around for a while. It's just the message of it to <clears throat> me doesn't do anything as far as Christmas. <laughs> it's like, um, and it really has yeah. nothing to do with Christmas. It's, it's a cold weather song. Right. So no, it, to me, this is terrible well my friend you are exactly in the same vein that i am on because my next choice is let it snow mm-hmm. um yeah. let it snow has always bothered me because again it's, it's more about the weather than it is about the like the idea of christmas and for me also most like this is a rare christmas where we're getting like a lot of snow usually christmas is is like the whole thing of dreaming of a white Christmas. A lot of people think in the Midwest you get like a lot of snow on Christmas. No, usually in the Midwest, I don't. You you don't usually get substantial snow until like mid January, mm-hmm. and so it's so, really a February and March song. Yeah, it's a, it, it like when you sing "Let It Snow," it, it's just kind of a downer to me because then you're just reminded of that you're not going to get snow for Christmas. If that makes like, there's been plenty of Christmases in the past. I can recall where it's been like 40 degrees, 40 to 50 degrees. And you're like, Hey, we could like hang outside if we wanted to like, mm-hmm. um, so that, that the let it snow at, and, and the chorus is also one that gets, is super annoying to me. Um, so there's yeah. that. Well, speaking of annoying songs, um, anything by Alvin and the chipmunks, <laughs> <laughs> It's not Christmas time. It's yeah, you. it's so rough, and it's like if you're me, watching, I want a home, <laughs> So bad. It's <laughs> so where it became an issue for me. If you're watching an Alvin and the 
in the chipmunks movie firstly what's wrong with you if you have kids there's i get it because i've been there but like it's already terrible but you at least know what you're getting yourself into if you're like in a grocery store and the song by them starts playing nobody signed up for this this isn't a real christmas song why are we listening to a song sung by movie characters right it's like nobody goes to a store and expects to hear like a rendition of a christmas song by mickey mouse why are we listening to alvin and the chipmunks <laughs> sing a christmas song it's just it's so frustrating um and it kind of ties back into something i hate anyway which is like people who have an obsession with cartoon characters like the whole thing with the minions that's mm-hmm. super obnoxious like usually middle-aged moms who are like oh the chipmunks are just so cute so yeah i just that's a huge pet peeve for me is alvin and the chipmunks is being considered no- at like normal christmas music hmm interesting interesting um hmm. i gotta think here for a moment all right this is probably just because lately it's been like a song that every time we're in the car, my daughter and my wife are both asking to listen to. So I'm getting kind of annoyed by it. But Mary, did you know, mm. is it is a really good song, okay. and there are, are a lot I like of this. I'm interested. there are a lot of good lyrics, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I get a little annoyed by all the women who are just like. <gasps> This song is so good. It reminds me of when I had my child. I can't imagine having my child and blah, blah, blah. All right. All right. Like, that's just. So it's more the overreactions to it. Yes. Okay. And then, well, there's, there's that half of it. And then there's the other half, which are all the pastors making cheesy jokes. Well, Mary did know because the, you know, God informed her. She knew like, that's what her song was about that. She sang. like Mary knew this song. It, it doesn't match what the Bible states. Like, okay. It's a song. Like, it's like, just it's chill out people. Like wh- anyway. Yeah. Huh? Do you feel like that's good justification? It is. Yeah. It, anytime you get into the whole overplayed territory it can turn a good song into one that you don't like right i really like the song but i get that side of it but i do agree it's just the fact that the song is talked about so much too so it's not just overplayed everybody talks about it too it's like as being this is what the song means or here's why it's inaccurate or whatever Mm -hmm. so just that's like basically doubling up on the overplayed aspect so no i get that um i'm not gonna put this in there it's a kind of a gray area for me because some I don't hate the song. It's very polarizing, though. I'm curious. I'm going to still list it here just so we can discuss it. What are your thoughts on the Christmas shoes? <laughs> Do you know that song? Yes. <sighs> so How I, homeschool I, of you? I think um, the mess. Yeah, I think the message, it's like, I get it. It's fine. It sometimes feels like a song that's trying too hard to be meaningful. Oh, my word. It's Dude, very... It is- it is like the way Disney's been lately with their movies where they're like, yeah. you, you should be crying at this. You should be crying at this. Yeah. Get it? Do you get it? His mom has cancer and is about to die. <laughs> it like, feels very preachy in a way that's like, this is the part where you're sad. You know? Right. I don't know. I don't, I'm going to still list it here because I wanted to bring it up. 
I don't think it's one of the five worst Christmas songs. It's not. But it is sometimes. I also never listen to it anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the overplayed thing. And I think, too, like growing up in the church, like you did, too, you've Mm -hmm. seen people like turn this into a whole production and do a play about it and all that. So it's like to me, it's all the stuff that comes along with the song and people's reactions to it. Kind of like you said with uh, Mary, did you know? Yeah. It's like, all right, we, we get it you know <laughs> yeah daddy why do you not like that song because i want to keep my sanity <laughs> when daddy meets jesus tonight <laughs> yeah, that's why yeah um all right wait so did you make a selection yeah or i'm gonna s- take the christmas shoes okay just because i wanted to talk about it i forgot about that one it's a good one yeah um <clears throat> all right not a fan of either Christmas song produced by a Beatle, but mm, the okay. one yep. the one that I definitely don't gravitate as much towards is War is over if you want it. Yeah. War is over now. One more time. No, no and, please don't. Yeah. There's that. And then like, it's also super creepy at the beginning when it's like, Merry Christmas, John. Merry Christmas. Yo. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. And, and, then, and then there's random kids singing in the background too. So you got uh, just the whole song is like, I don't hate it. Like I won't like turn it off, but like. It's not my favorite. I get you. I would much rather listen to Paul McCartney singing about simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Ugh. I don't like that one. But even that one is... But, uh, yeah. yeah. No, I agree. It, it's so... That song is so Paul. Like, you, the voice yeah. is just, the moon is bright. Yeah. The feeling's up. <laughs> We're here tonight. And that's enough. Like, but at least can, I associate that song with Christmas more. That Beatles one, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's like... Is this even a Christmas song? Well, it's yeah. not Beatles. It's John Lennon featuring Yoko uh, Ono, his wife. Anything featuring Yoko Ono is the worst. So let's, yeah, let's be agreed. Fair. John Lennon's dead, by the way. So Is he? Yeah. Wow. Blocka, yeah. blocka. <laughs> Why couldn't it have been her? Um, <laughs> <laughs> have you seen those videos where she just like screams in the microphone because she thinks it's like artistic, apparently? She's Did you worst. say artistic or autistic? Just wanna... Yes. <laughs> okay. No, she's the worst. She killed she, the Beatles. She should marry Kanye. That is actually... Oh, wow. That's not <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> no. Wait, hold on. What you just said about her killing the Beatles, I think is 100% true. Oh, yeah. Like, I haven't she done enough history... She group apart. Yeah. I haven't done enough reading about the Beatles, but, like, it does seem like once John started being with her... Yep that they separated they were doomed to the band was doomed to fall apart before he passed i thought like kind of and again i'm not a huge beatles fan it or like did I did pass the wait they did break up before yeah he... but like they were the music was already dying before he did basically oh okay and it's yeah it basically the fact that he forced her into the group and was like no guys we're gonna let her sing because she's sucking me off even though she has no musical ability that's enough to kill any music group so yeah no it's side tangent about the beatles um 12 days of christmas for me 
is a terrible Christmas song. It's overplayed, and anything that's super repetitive like that, I'm already not a fan of. The whole, though, like, for Colin Burgess, I hate... Wait, you think it's overplayed? For me, it is. Like, hmm. Okay, so not that that song's played as much like on the radio or whatever as other Christmas songs. It's just you get halfway through the song, and I'm like, how many times are we going to hear the same lyrics? It's like singing 99 bottles of milk on the wall. It's like there's a reason nobody like actually puts this song on their playlist. It's because it's not a good song. <laughs> well, you know, there's... I happen to really like this song, mm. but not like the original one the original one that's like very orchestral and like recorded in the 50s like yeah i don't care about that song okay i care about one is the john denver version with the muppets i don't know if i've even heard that it's objectively funny because you hear like Fozzie bear and kermit and the best part is miss piggy because she does the five golden rings Mm. and at the end of every time she does it she goes and it, it's just yeah. very – it's fun. I mean, you complained about Alvin and the Chipmunks being like, oh, movie characters. Maybe you feel that way about the Muppets. I like it's it. It's a fine line, though, between, like, the Chipmunks were already annoying to me. Like, if you right. like the characters, yeah. I'll, I'll have to listen to it and see. The it. other one is it's probably re- one I wouldn't put in my playlist, but I'd be okay with it. The other one is Reliant K because Reliant K's okay. version is, like, two minutes long because they it's punk rock, so they're doing it fast. And the best part is they have little interludes. So after four calling birds, no, after the first five golden rings, they go, what's a partridge and what's a pear tree? Well, I don't know. So please don't ask me, but I can bet those are terrible gifts to get. Yeah. So they're like making it their own. So I get that. Um, I just think as a standalone, the song is just super boring. And again, has like nothing to do with Christmas. It's like, yeah, you get all these things as gifts, but they're not things you would get as gifts. So I don't know. It just doesn't do it for me. But yeah, that's a fair thing. It's like people who take it, put their own twist on it, can improve it. But you should show your kids. There's this song. It's from a Veggie Tales Christmas, and it's the eight Polish foods of Christmas. I think I've seen that. I'll have to look that up and see. It's that. not a video. It's just a song. Oh, then maybe not. But it's okay. pretty funny. Huh. Anyway. Yeah, look that up. Um. Especially because they do, like, polka music for it. <laughs> um, okay. Got to pick a final one here. Did I do – did I start it or did you? I did. Okay, I'll have one more after this. Too. So this is kind of low-hanging fruit, I feel. Like, I'm not – I feel like I could go different directions. And there's probably something where I'm going to think about a worse song later. Um – but like one like you mentioned I want a hippopotamus for Christmas mm. and I know that the person singing it is like intentionally trying to sound sing poorly but I can't handle it like I that's a song I can hear like once a Christmas season and I'm done with it like I want a hippopotamus mm. for Christmas mm-hmm. and it's even worse than that oh. and then, since I'm an English teacher, I hate it at the part when she goes, I just want hippopotamuses, and hippopotamuses want me too. Yeah. You're like, oh. It's so bad. It's very bad. It's meant to be cute, and it just comes off as, like, cringy and <clears throat> terrible. Yeah. 
Um, that's a good answer. That's the right answer. This is gonna maybe be kind of a hot take one, because um, everybody's like, oh, Mariah Carey's version or whatever. Like this is one I think a lot of people actually like though that I don't. Feliz Navidad is a terrible Christmas song. Um, oh, <laughs> so I was curious what your thought would be. It's catchy. And you are like, so not woke, sir. <laughs> yeah, is this a like a dangerous thing to state? Um, <laughs> of course, he doesn't like it. Um, <laughs> I just it's it comes across to me though as a Chris as a song written by somebody who doesn't speak Spanish because it's just repeating over and over again the same thing of Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Like basically just repeating the same things over and over. It's catchy the way it's done, but there's really no meaning to it there's no depth to the lyrics it comes across as like a token song of like we're gonna put a song in spanish so all the non-spanish speaking people will feel cool when they sing it you know like so how do you feel about melakalikimaka same thing like any song like that or like the fact that everybody in choir growing up has one song they have to sing in swahili every every year in their show things like that to me just come off as very like like a shtick where it's like now we're gonna throw some spanish words out there to show that we're creative you know like i don't know i think feliz navidad just always struck me as a song that's like do people who speak spanish actually like this song or is this just like what all of the white people sing to feel like we're singing spanish you know i don't know Hmm. yeah it's just my personal thing i know it's a popular song and it's a catchy song it's not annoying like i actually like the way the song sounds it's just it's so repetitive you're saying the same three things over and over again right Um, so it just doesn't personally make my list of songs i actually enjoy um if i can put in a uh honorable mention yep so this honorable mention is actually based on like for theological reasons Mm. but joy to the world I like this song. So is not a Christmas song. It is about yeah. Christ's second coming. I agree with. Yeah, you're right. Not his first coming. Yeah. So it's it's simply for that reason that I, I actually I love the song too, and I just it does, don't think it should be considered a Christmas song. Correct. And I have no problem singing it at Christmas time. No. I just, I actually would advocate that Joy to the World should be sung all year round. Yeah, it's. So the part you don't like is that it's been relegated to a Christmas song. Correct. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Hmm. But no, the song itself is, is great. Yeah. All right. Do you have any, any honorable mentions for you? <sighs> no, I don't think so. Dominic the Donkey is definitely the number <clears throat> one answer. If we didn't mention it, I we had to mention it. Um, you don't like Dominic the Donkey? I hate Dominic the Donkey. Hippopotamus for Christmas is up there. Yeah. So I'd say those ones that are, like, supposed to be, same with Alvin and the Chipmunks, the ones that are supposed to be, like, cutesy, oh, listen, somebody in a kid's voice doing a song, Little Drummer Boy gets into that territory a little bit for me, where it's, like, it's trying to be, like, Christmassy cute, and I'd rather have a song that, like, actually has some kind of meaning to it. All right, how do you feel about Charlie, in Charlie Brown, Christmas time So that song as a standalone is trash but because i like the charlie brown christmas like the presentation or the movie or whatever it fits with the whole thing like 
So if it was a standalone and all I I heard was just that song by itself, yeah, I'd hate it. But oh, you know, it's because it fits in with the story for that. So I just thought of another honorable mention. Okay, this is a song that is sung a lot, and nobody has a single clue what it means, and nobody's given a single f u d g e to figure out what it means, okay. and that is. Should all the acquaintance be forgot and ever brought to mind? Yeah. yeah. I don't what know. does what is an Auld Lang Syne? Who is Auld Lang Syne? Why do I care about him? Why does this song sound like something that was written in the medieval times and with like Probably. the little minstrels playing? Mm-hmm. And why yeah, why is it still relevant today? Why am I going to raise a cup of kindness yet in days of Auld Lang Syne? Is that a New Year's song or a Christmas song? Yes. I've heard it for it's both. it's sung like <clears throat> as a celebration of like, oh, the clock just changed. Now we sing it. I don't know what the connection is to that. Like nobody ever just sings it like, oh, it's on a regular Christmas playlist. It's right. like an announcement of like we're celebrating. Um, yeah. I But nobody knows what it means. And in general, I hate when – um people are singing songs and don't know what the words mean it's like it feels very like wop culty yeah it's like <laughs> why am i saying this i don't know actually wop tells you exactly what it is WAP is pretty clear <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but um, yeah that's a good answer i didn't even think of that so a couple of quick things before we move on to our final thing one funny story one of my best friends growing up, his dad, I remember once we were talking, I was over at their house and we were talking about favorite Christmas songs. And all I remember was he, I thought he was joking, but he was dead serious that his favorite Christmas song is Good King Wenceslas. What? <laughs> like I would have, you could have given me 80 <laughs> years to list Christmas songs. I would have never mentioned that as being anyone's favorite Christmas song. Like I do like that song a lot, actually. And... Especially, I didn't even think of that during this whole segment. There's I don't inst- hate the song. It's just what a random song. There's a lot of really good, like the instrumental piece of it is really good, and it's in some pro- prominent movies too. The dun 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 dun. Like mm-hmm. even if you don't know the lyrics, just that song is like really catchy. It sounds very joyful, Christmassy. But I would never expect anybody to th- pick that as their favorite Christmas yeah, song. I kind of like that, though. I like when people have one that's not a common one. It's like, hey, that guy really just likes that song. <laughs> um, Two Christmas albums to recommend to you. Okay. Well, I guess three. So one is one I referenced earlier, like, K, mm-hmm. have you listened to that one before? I know we've listened to a couple of them together. I don't remember that song you mentioned, the... the 12, 12 Days of Christmas. Christmas. Yeah, but I know I've listened to some of their Christmas songs. So that one is... That one is called Let It Snow, Baby, Let It Rain, Dear. Nice. Good fun. Um, I think I know one you're going to recommend. Another one is brand new this year. It's called Milk and Cookies by Crowder. You told me about that. I haven't listened to it, but I, and I specific, like Crowder a lot. Specifically, there's a song on that album called The Elf Song okay. that is hilarious. The whole song is about how elves are getting underpaid and how it's free slave labor and they need to start a union and an uprising it's funny (laughs) i already like it yeah all right and the last one is called don't waste your wishes by the killers and it is an album 
or song? Yes, it's a full length album by the Killers. They have, I they had I, a Christmas album. Shane, it is Man Michigan Hat, whatever. It is all original Christmas music. Wow. It's all really good. I'm going to have to check that out. My favorite They're, one I always recommend is August Burns Red. They're yeah, that one's sick. I just dude. am always a fan of like metal or rock Christmas songs. So let me tell you, The Killers is pretty mellow rock, but it's yeah. still really good. Which I like. I mean, The Killers music's great. <clears throat> so let me tell you my favorite from The Killers album so you can check it out. So yeah. one is Don't Shoot Me Santa Claus. I've heard of that song, I think. That's their most popular from okay, that, that album. That one I think I've heard. I didn't realize that was them, though. Yep. I've heard the song. But. So Don't Shoot Me Santa Claus. Another one is Joseph Better You Than Me. Okay. Um, is that about like the, I'm glad it's not my wife who got pregnant and it wasn't basically, kind of thing. That's actually them basically saying like, I couldn't imagine being in your shoes. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Um, Don't Wish and then, Wishes. That's the name of it. Yeah. It's only and, from 2016. That's not that. Yeah. Bad. And then the other one that's really good is Boots. Yeah, boot. Okay. Don't shoot me, Santa. Boots, and then Joseph. Better you Joseph than me. Than you. Okay. Those are my favorites from that album. Hmm. Fe- Joseph better than you than me is featuring Elton John. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> a great song, dude. Huh. All right, it's cool. so right, good. I yeah. like the Killers. So that's a good recommendation. I I love the Killers. Huh. Yep. Right. Um. Cool. Okay. So, very lastly, let's just do our Mary F. Kill and we'll be out of everyone's hair. Perfect way to end it. Speaking of so spe- being in hair. I was just about to say. <laughs> Two of these, I guess that applies to. So, Mary F. Kill, The Grinch, Rudolph, The Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Frosty the Snowman. <sighs> do you want to go first or do you want me to? I went first on the Christmas song, so you do you go first on this one. All right, I'm gonna start with Mary, and this may I think... be really surprising. Okay, I'm going to marry the Grinch. Okay, um, why would you marry the one who's so hateful and grumpy and stuff? Firstly, I believe he can change, and I can fix him. That's the whole story of the Grinch. He also, I relate to a lot of his stuff as far as like being annoyed by the people there. He's got some stuff figured out. He's got his own home, which is nice. Um, like, there's some stability there. And he showed showed a lot of self-improvement, a lot of growth as a person. Is he a person? I don't know. A lot of personal growth, um, which I think is a good Christmas message. So I'm going to marry the Grinch. I'm going to kill Rudolph. The Rudolph story, the Rudolph song, which we didn't really even mention, never did it for me rudolph as a character kind of sucks the whole point is supposed to be oh bullying is bad but then the message is also bullying only stops when you prove to be useful it's like is that really the christmas message so are you ranking the movies right now i feel like that's definitely okay. what you're doing let me just say rudolph <laughs> as a character is... you're not evaluating the sexual prowess of any of these at all well i'm not effing either of them so yeah oh okay so fair fair I'm killing fair. rudolph so i really you could you could could f the grinch if you're married to him 
true that will happen but yeah I'm not, i mean i know you normally do your mary f kills by somehow effing all three but i don't have to do that <laughs> i just try to expand my horizons yeah. i'm gonna f frosty straight into a puddle that's how i will kill him let's <laughs> calm down furious george uh, <laughs> no i am going though to f frosty. don't steal my answer bro <laughs> I'm going to F Frosty, and I think it's just there's a lot to explore there when it comes to the ability to shape him however you want, oh. and some of the sensations with the hot cold thing going on. Um, I'm gonna do some exploring there. Um, <laughs> my, my my Frosty would start to look a lot more like Mrs. Incredible. That's for sure. <laughs> Let's just uh, expand this and uh, <laughs> move this over. Yeah. Oh, interesting. All right, that's my answer. Well, I would be. I will marry Frosty. Okay. Because as annoying as it would be to wake up every day and him turn to me and go, "Happy birthday." <laughs> The good news yeah. is that you only have to deal with it for one season, and then he melts away before he comes back next season. And that's true love. <laughs> that's true love. <laughs> the kind of marriage we should all strive for. I'm going to. I'm also going to kill Rudolph. Yes. Mainly because I have trauma in the past of picking animals to f. I was gonna say Rudolph, <laughs> kind of horse shaped. That's surprising. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Rudolph's very horny. I would, um, so I would love to start a litter of red-nosed reindeer. So. <laughs> so the number one reason for me, actually more than anything, and this may, says, might say a lot about me, but um, the the sound his nose makes when it's shining, I just could not handle either. <laughs> like, that's honestly more than anything I, the reason. Yeah, I forgot about that from the movie. Again, that price says a lot about me that that's the main reason, but... That is a big factor to me. No, that's fair. Um, Especially because you were so quick to. Oh no, you picked Mary first. Never mind. I was gonna say if your only other option was to marry or kill. <laughs> right. All right. So, so then explain this one. Yeah. So I'm going to f the Grinch um, because it doesn't. It honestly sounds a little uh, dicey. I mean, he stinks, stank, stunk. The stench he, of the Grinch. Yeah, he's got termites in his smile. You wouldn't even want to touch him with a 39 and a half a pole, let alone my 39 and a half <laughs> millimeter pole. Um, so there's some concerns there. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't say what kind of effing it has to be. Maybe it's just... Oh, my. Now we're really getting into it. <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe if there just... are still children listening to this episode, <laughs> now is the time to change the station. All right, please continue. <laughs> Maybe it's just an HJ. Who knows? Mm, okay. Um, what does that mean? But <laughs> it stands for Howard Jones. Oh, okay. um, makes sense. But I guess one the direction I'm going to go with this is that the Grinch wore a very horrible disguise as Santa, mm. and everyone believed that it was Santa. Oh, and wow. so. I think what I'm going to bank on is that he could put on, wear a disguise that would convince me he's someone else, like Mrs. Incredible. Interesting. And I, I like would this theory. That's a good go direction. to town. Go to Whoville on him, <laughs> if you will. Take you to Whoville. Yeah. <laughs> You'd probably involve Max, too, wouldn't you, you freak? <laughs> I like that theory. I never thought about that. 
Is it that the Who's are just really dumb, though? Well, in fairness, I think Cindy Lou Who's the only one that sees him dressed as Santa. Yeah. And she's, like, two. But I'm still taking this and running with it. I like that. No, I think that was well thought out. I had never even considered that. So, that makes and, sense. And, yeah, and I'm. you better believe I'm going to take him to Whoville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> His heart's not the only thing that grew three <laughs> sizes that day. <laughs> oh, man. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, very good. There's no better way to end it than that, I think. And, and yeah, and I don't think Max would be involved in this scenario. Um, I'll save him for the next holiday, maybe hmm. Valentine's Day. There you go. Yeah. That's called personal growth. <laughs> It's not the only kind of personal F. growth that. I'll be, Good job. Yeah. We yeah. don't have to f everyone this time. <laughs> We're making progress. <laughs> Guys, it's been like seventy episodes since the Secretariat one. <laughs> That's still the best one we've ever done. <laughs> but I'm still Never struggling. So yeah, it's a lifelong battle. <laughs> Pray for me. <laughs> You're never truly clean. <laughs> You're always a... Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, I think that's the episode, right? Um, thank you for listening. <laughs> we hope you made it this long and we didn't ruin your Christmas. Yeah. Um, it's you... almost Christmas. They're practically here. <laughs> You're as cuddly as a cactus. You must You're stop Christmas from coming. It's too late. <laughs> You're a bad banana with a greasy back. You must stop Christmas from coming. Think about baseball. <laughs> Think about the Cubs signing dance with You're a monster. If you enjoy. But first, I'll stuff up the tree. <laughs> your brain is full of spines. You've got garlic in your soul, Mr. Green. Made a small sound like the coo of a dove. Oh boy. He didn't even leave. No. Didn't even leave a crumb small enough in the house for a mouse or something like that. I don't know. It's 1 a.m. Just finish the song. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, we have a cash app for Venmo or something, but we don't deserve it. Um, yeah, subscribe, leave your comments. I'm sorry. Merry Christmas. And the Grinch, the Grinch himself, carved the roast beast. He, he carved my roast beast, that's for sure. <laughs> Mr. Grinch. The three words that best describe you are as follows, and I quote, Stink, stank, stunk. You're a rotter, Mr. Grinch. You're the king of sinful sots. Your heart's a dead tomato splotched with moldy purple spots, Mr. Grinch. Your soul is an appalling dump heap, overflowing with the most disgraceful assortment of deplorable rubbish imaginable, mangled up in tangled up knots. You nauseate me, Mr. Grinch.
with a nauseous super nos. You're a crooked jerky jockey and you drive a crooked horse, Mr. Grinch. You're a three-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. 